0: Good morning, everyone. This is your three cocktail mimosa version uh, of uh, January of uh, July tenth, twenty seventeen. Uh, we are going to talk about a lot of Star Wars stuff this week because you're going to be inundated with a lot of Game of Thrones respeculation, remodification of theories, and any more that I might have may already add to what somebody else might already had. And I think you all need something a little fresher. We're going to start in the Old Republic, and we're going to start with Padme Amidala. To those who would act against, uh, act as agents of chaos, I say this. I stand resolute and unyielding. And if you strike my voice down, know that a chorus of thousands will rise up to take its place. For you have no domination over the righteous. We are the defenders of the truth. Those were Padme Amidala's own words. Padme, a female politician who became the leading voice for peace and diplomacy during the last days of the Galactic Republic. So very important From Wikipedia, in the canon section, that particular section, because it simply states that Naboo, being representing the very best of the old republic, to me says that Padme Amidala was the last light of the old republic before, as we know, the empire and the separatists take over and start a war, as we know how it eventually all ends up ending. And we will continue to go on further as we go down the line in seven, eight, and nine. But Padme is interesting to me. Padme uh, didn't start off poor, but didn't she didn't start off well? Uh, worked her way into her position and just wanted to for her whole life decided to get into public service and be a career politician in the best possible way possible. Uh, she had no monetary ambition. Uh, and only really became came to prominence on a galactic scale when the Separatists invaded and created the blockade, right? Which, of course, we all know that uh, the Emperor, uh, Senator Palpatine at the time, uh, used that to force a, a vote of no confidence as, uh, as a way to block, uh, as a way to start moving himself up the, the, the Ladder of Chaos, a.k.a. Littlefinger, but Padme kind of went along with that ride, got, got swept along in this wave of fame, okay? But I think she had other dealings with other senators and other other beings out there, okay? Primarily, I believe that she and Duchess Satine have had a long relationship. Naboo is a prominent planet. It's a, it's a wealthy planet. It's mid-rim, which means that um, it's a, it's a, it's a gateway plant in, if we look at the, at a map of the United States, it might be Chicago. Okay. Uh, it could be New Orleans. It's in the middle of the country, it could even be Dallas or Houston. It's in the middle of the country, uh, uh, per, uh, acting as a gateway of, of, um, of trans, of, um, of transportation and commerce, but it also maintains, tradition. It still maintains a tremendous amount of traditions of the Old Republic, and I think this is so incredibly important to understanding who Padme is. Padme, at the end of the day, is someone who who likes and represents order. Uh, She is someone who has seen order work and work in the best possible way. Okay, everybody has their place, but if you have ambition and work hard, you can overcome any obstacle. And the government, as she sees it, is that was her way of being able to provide those people with a hand up, not a hand out. That's how she perceived government, in my opinion, and that's what she chose to spend her life doing. Ultimately, uh, she encounters Jedi. Jedi are kind of run around outside that system, okay? Jedi kind of take orders from something else. Though she may not understand what the Force is, uh, directly. She has seen its effects. Uh, it could be it's a, it's, a, it's a religion of some kind, from what it seems to be, from that per- particular perspective. And it's not like Jedi haven't come and gone on the planet of Naboo. If they're the last lie of the Old Republic, there will be representations of temples on Naboo, where you can go and visit. Okay, uh, So she is well acquainted with how that all works. And we'll get into more of Padme in just a little bit. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Padme Amidala, Last Slide of the Old Republic, Part 2. So, uh, we heard in Part 1 a, little, a very, very brief history about Padme. You can go back and read a tremendous amount of it on Wikipedia and other, and other great places and and in Reddit and in actual canon comic books and books. But I want to t- begin to talk about now <clears throat> the problems that she would have. In such a life of service, she's not serving herself. And I believe that's when Padme Amidala, um, for the first time, truly did something tremendously scandalous. And that's when she fell in love with the Jedi. And I don't mean Anakin. That's right. Uh, Padme Amidala, in my view, did actually have a romantic uh, relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it wasn't a single one-night tryst. Uh, I believe that as Padme is giving herself to a life of service and is seeing uh, for um, giving more and more of herself away, Jedi fascinate her, particularly Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, Kenobi is going to come back and forth to Naboo. He is going to, to talk to dignitaries, and he's going to have assignments, right, going back and forth. Padme met him when he was younger, with Qui-Gon Jinn. And so they, I don't want to say essentially grew up together, but they certainly had a longstanding friendship that could have blossomed into something romantic because what does Obi-Wan Kenobi truly at the end of the day represent to Padme? Obi-Wan represents freedom with responsibility. See, Jedi live a life of service, but they are not bound by conventional rules. They are bound by something larger themselves. And this is what fascinates Padme to no end. That there is something more than just the day-to-day grind of smaller problems. Padme is bored. She is tired. And someone like Obi-Wan Kenobi, who enters into her life, and, and honestly, in my view, states to her, Look, I, I like you. I even love you to a degree. But I can't marry you. Attachment to that degree, we can't do it. And tries to explain to Padme in his own way that particular aspect of the code. Think of the wall oath, right? I'll never bear, I'll never bear children, I'll never have a wife. Why? Because those things commit someone more uh, to an individual than to the cause. I believe something like this allows Padme to fall in love more. With Obi Wan than anything else because there's no obligation. And I believe that she can have fun with Obi Wan, right? She can enjoy herself. She can have free time with someone who will not judge, who doesn't care, but still shares a tremendous amount of values, of her values with him. And this is why. Uh, when Donna Dinkins turned me on to, to this, uh, this theory, I, I'm the one that's really giving her credit for it. Others may have come up with it before, but she's the one that really, to me, made it more public than anybody else. Um, you can find her over at um, uh, Mildly Amused on Twitter. Uh, it makes The Phantom Menace and the prequels actually watchable. When you see the, the, uh, the drama beginning to unfold this way, uh, Padme still loves Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan still is a rolling stone until we get to the Mortis episodes. Good morning, everyone. This is Padme Amadala, last line of the Republic part three. So before it trailed off, uh, I was getting to uh, Obi-Wan had, you know, a, a more of a free spirit um, uh, and a, and a more love of life uh, before the Mort- Mortis episodes. If you remember from the Clone Wars, the Mortis episodes where Ahsoka, Anakin, and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, were taken to a a place of great force uh, where the force was incredibly concentrated. And that's where they meet the father, the brother, and the the sister. Force beings that were so removed from anything that uh, they had ever encountered. Uh, And once that episode had ended, Obi-Wan's attitude changed. See, before, um, before then, and we're going to go into more Obi-Wan later about this. Before that, he was a little more free-spirited. But Obi-Wan encountered something that was larger than himself, and it scared him. It scared him a little bit. And so when he came back, he really reassessed his life, and he broke it off there and then with Padme. Uh, and this makes a lot of sense about keeping keeping distance, more of a, more of a... Of, of a distance relationship. Now, and by then, Padme's already deep into, uh, in, into Anakin anyways. But this is when Obi-Wan re- truly realizes that he's in love with Senator Satine, and we're going to now go start going into that power dynamic of the greatest love triangle that's never talked about. Ultimately, what this Part 1, 2, and 3 are all about are the greatest love triangle that's never talked about in Star Wars, which is Obi-Wan Kenobi, Senator uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Duchess Satine, and Senator Amidala. Obi-Wan starts this relationship with Padme. Padme starts with him, and they are having a great time. But gossip begins happening in and around courts and in and around places that um, Obi-Wan is seen more and more in the company of Padme on missions, right? And gossip is gossip. It does what it does. And at, at getting closer and closer, Padme's beginning to, you know, sense some of this, getting getting word back from um, possibly, the, at this time, the senator, Senator Palpatine about, you know, you're kind of hanging out with this Jedi maybe just a little too much for, um, for your own public perception, your own public good. And they kind of start cooling things off a little bit. Well, this allows Obi-Wan to go, hey, great, I got another steady girl over here. This is Uh, Duchess of Teen, and I'm gonna go start hanging out with her for a while. You know, Obi's a Rolling Stone. Why not? No attachment, rock and roll. So they start hanging out. And this causes Padme to start to get jealous. Ultimately, I believe part of this is what attracts her at the end of the day to a much younger Anakin. We're gonna go into more of that in a little while. But this love triangle can actually start to begin to seem plain out in parts of the of the Clone Wars when you begin to break down uh, the interactions with Duchess Satine and Padme Amidala. They are cold to each other. They are polite. They are professional, but they are distant and cold, as if they know something about each other and they don't want to talk about it. They know it's like they it's um, they've uh, two girls who have kind of liked the same boy, and they both. Uh, encountered the same boy, in um, in more than than just friendship, right? And they don't, and they're jealous of each other. That is the impression you get from the Clone Wars when you when you take this theory to its logical conclusion. They both respect each other. They both can work with each other, but they don't like each other because Obi Wan has chosen over Padme. Duchess Satine. This, to me, in part, is what helps Padme justify her behavior, and I do say justify her behavior at the beginning, in taking Obi-Wan's apprentice. Remember, she met little Anakin when he's eight, six to eight years old, and she is older. Okay? She's an older woman to him. Nothing wrong with that, mind you, but it's It's part of you can see part of the motivation if you run this, run the the jealousy side, the the jealousy wild theory through, and that's what this channel is it's wild theory of why Padme initially chose Anakin as a love interest. This is Padme Amadella, Last Slide of the Republic, part four. So, why, Kevin, do you say? Why in the world would Padme hook up with a 6- to 8-year-old that she met on, on, uh, Tatoo- on Tatooine? What is wrong with you? Why did she do this? Right? Well, we know she did, Okay, but what would motivate her to do this? I think two things do. I think what motivates her, and there's nothing wrong with this. Okay, I'm not I'm, I am not passing a judgment. I am simply stating what I believe this is. And that's what this channel is, right? It's wild speculation sometimes. I believe Padme did this for two reasons. Political status and to get back at Obi-Wan, right? Obi-Wan begins to break things off with her. Okay? And and go hard, more harder and harder with with Duchess Satine. Okay? Spending more and more time with her. This gets Padme frankly upset okay, that she truly loved Obi-Wan, okay, she truly loves Anakin, but she truly loved Obi-Wan too, and, and you know, that can happen, so, uh, she begins to show, uh, initially, initially, that, uh, hey, Obi-Wan, I'm dating your, I'm being seen in the company of your apprentice, okay, what's the big deal? You should, if there are really no attachments, you shouldn't be jealous about this at all, and secondly, There's political status in knowing that if Anakin is sitting next to her at a political dinner, at a political function, that she's kind of intimidating the the other delegates around her, that she has the backing of the Jedi Order and being seen in public with a Jedi, a rock star. There aren't that many of them left, right? The war is taking a lot of them away. And less and less are being born all the time. That'll get deeper into what I would call the metachlorian theory and why it's important in Star Wars, which a lot of you will just lose your minds over, but I think it is. That's another subject for another day. But this is why she initially started up with Anakin, to get back at Obi-Wan. She does eventually fall in love with this guy because he's honest. Let's be honest. He's an honest guy. Okay, He is clumsy. He is socially inadequate. <laughs> to Seven Ways to Sunday, okay, he didn't grow up with, you know, Anakin did not have Qui-Gon Jinn. Let's be honest. Anakin would be a much more grounded person if he had Qui-Gon Jin training him than Obi-Wan did. Obi-Wan got thrown into the, and, and basically guilted in uh, to training Anakin, which is fine, but... Didn't really teach him the social skills. And you think the Jedi Order is going to do that? They are warrior monks. We ain't got time for this kind of stuff. Okay? You got to go to school. You got to learn to fight. You got to learn to use force. Women and or men uh, are not part of what we do here. So when he tells her just really clumsy, honest things, it really comes from his heart. And she knows that. And she knows that she'll never, ever truly get honesty out of Obi-Wan. Dutch Satine has always joked about the half-truths and omissions that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. She'd never get that out of Anakin. Anakin is always going to be honest with her. And that, at the end of the day, is why I believe Padme ultimately ends up choosing Anakin over Obi-Wan to, to, as we learn later, is a great mistake. But initially, that's why she truly and deeply falls in love with Anakin. Because he's honest. He's an honest guy. Thanks everybody. We're gonna go more into Padme and a few other things in Star Wars this week. Let's just start digesting on parts one through four. Like, subscribe. Tell me what you think. Pass it around. Uh, and thanks for all the new the new listeners, the new subscribers that are coming onto the channel more and more. I'm gonna start getting a real podcast going shortly. Uh, but thanks everybody for your time. Have a great day. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Kevin Ross and your three cocktail questions and speculations today. Today we're doing uh, Manhattans for lunch. And this is why. We're going to get a little dark. We're going to get a little gangster. We're going to get a little sinister. And unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about the end of Padme's life. Uh, There's The theories that have gone around, Padme didn't really die. Padme faked her own death. Um, There's no way that could happen uh, because there are theories out there that say, Darth Uh, Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine, transferred her life essence over into Anakin to save his life. You have a choice between whether she died or whether she was killed. I'm going to split the difference on this one. Okay? And here's why. I believe, and I speculate, that Padme Amidala had every intention of faking her own death. This is why. As... Anakin is becoming more and more involved in the war and getting more and more under the influence of Palpatine as Palpatine's whispering into his ear about how bad the Jedi are and um, how the war is going. Padme is desperately trying to get a hold of him that maybe we're on the wrong side of this thing. You see that in Revenge of the Sith. Maybe we are on the wrong side of this war. Maybe we need to sit down with the Separatists. And Anakin is trying to push her away. No, don't, don't come with me with that. That's not what I do. The rift is happening and has been happening for some time. And is getting more and more, not so much physically abusive, but very, very, very unsettled. And the war has drastically changed his perspective, and especially after Mortis. Mortis is uh, a really big deal. It changed both uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin in ways that we'll go into uh, later on during the week. But ultimately, I believe, and remember, this is Naboo. She comes from Naboo. She comes from a place of the Old Republic. That perhaps faking her death to save her children from a life of servitude with the Jedi might be the way to go. And for her way to uh, fake her own death would get her away from Anakin and the Jedi Order. I absolutely believe that Padme was intending, intending to fake her own death. Now you say, Kev... This is nuts. I mean, you're, you've been talking crazy for a while now. This is really getting out there. How could she possibly pull this off? Well, here we go. She's going to fake her own death. She's got to have somebody to take her place. We're now living, we're now in a, in a, in a universe in, in Star Wars where you can detect almost anything about a person, right? The um, In A New Hope. In the lowest, scummiest bar in Mos Eisley, there are sensors set up to determine if someone's enough of a droid or not to come into the building, right? And we know that in modern day, biometrics can read people's fingerprints and voice and gait, how they walk, how they talk, right? So imagine further down the line that a complete, uh, complete DNA profile of someone is on file. Well, how do you avoid all this? Welcome to the handmaids. Okay, uh, can you imagine having to undergo treatment to fully become a handmaid in with Padme? You're going to have to have DNA treatments. You're going to have new blood work done. You're going to have to have your your features altered surgically to look and behave. Like Padme, down right down to your fingerprints and, and other biometric uh, means that they don't we don't know about today, but they would certainly have then, so that you could you could pass in under any circumstances as Senator Padme Amidala. Well, we lose a bodyguard on the platform with a bomb. Remember, we never see what happens to the body, do we? No, we don't. She's done her duty. Now you go do yours. You can easily see where the body is spirited away and kept in storage in case this possibility should ever have to arise. Um, and we know we can store things for extended periods of time. That's why we have carbonite and other storage uh, storage means. And now we haven't just seen that in New Hope. We saw that earlier in the Clone Wars, when the team had to. Um, infiltrate the prison planet, they encase themselves in the carbonite. So it's con- even, it's very conceivable that they preserve the body in carbonite uh, for this very aspect. Part two coming up shortly. Did Padme Amidala fake her own death? Part two. So now we have a body and where are we going to play? Uh, now we have a body. What are we going to do? Uh, what's the next step? Well the next step would be setting up accounts and setting up identities. And who does she know that is that cares about her enough, can keep her secrets, and assist her enough to pull this off? That would be Corvin from the banking clan. That's right, he would still he's still in love with her. And she would have reached out to him to say, look, you were absolutely right, this Jedi is nuts. Uh, I am carrying his kids, but I need you to help set up new identities for them and myself. Uh, And set up the account so we can live a comfortable life, and he's like, okay I can do that and he does but he also then says it would be too suspicious for uh, A new person to kind of show up. Let's split it amongst your handmaidens Uh, smaller amounts of money for each of them uh, one larger chunk for this for the the most loyal which would be you and we Will then give them their freedom she agrees they set this up and we're uh, they're off to the races and the next thing we'll talk about is when would that actually happen? Okay. When would she actually decide to pull that trigger to go make this work? Everything's set up and in, in, in place. Her, her plan B's ready to rock and roll. Let's go make this work. Okay. We'll talk to you again soon. Pat did a uh, Padme Amidala fake her own death part three. All right. So we have a body from the clone wars. We, um, we have, um, uh, the uh, accounts and a new identity is established by corvin now one is the opportunity to do this i believe when she was going to do this was actually at childbirth okay actually at childbirth and you're saying kevin now now hold on this is one of the most advanced scientific societies in the world i mean we we submerge people into in essentially you know liquid stem cells to heal them right the batha tanks how could we not, how could she die in this manner? Well, it's it's simple, okay? She, uh, when getting her records from wherever in the galaxy they are, see, it, it's, it's sort of like everything is connected in this universe, right? Hospitals have everybody's records and are easily obtainable. So during that transfer and loading that those into the medical droid is when the protocol happens where a slight poison would be, have been introduced to knock her out and put her into a coma, causing the ability for her to look like she has lost her life. But they're going to rescue the children, right, one way or another, and the children would be uh, taken, uh, would be taken away right, and put into the family, and uh, things would be uh, done accordingly. So that's that's a little loosey-goosey, and I know, okay, but you that's when she would pull, actually pull the trigger, because she could die in actual childbirth, okay? She could actually go then. That would really be the only way that well, if she's going to do this. She's going to pull this off. That is her, her moment of opportunity, okay? And then... That's when Palpatine strikes. Palpatine got wind of this plan and says, Aha, I can take her out and have this apprentice for myself. And this is before the injuries take place on Mustafar. I can transfer uh, the medical to myself. Okay. And uh, you're seeing that in the comics now where they have almost like a force vampire in, in, the, uh, in the stories that Luke and Dr. Aphra are going after. And uh, so they're, they're beginning to explain, uh, beginning to, to demonstrate how this is even possible. So Palpatine is actually planning to kill her without her knowledge. Okay? Even though she's got this all set up ahead of time, and the rest of her family would know and would perceive it to be just the procedure going wrong. Okay? The procedure going wrong. No one would question it. And for palpatine it's a win 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 all the way around. force kids a dead a dead wife, and an angry apprentice, you know an angry jedi who's about to be his apprentice there's no way he can lose, no way he can lose so uh when as Padme's going to you know supposedly going to this this life and death coma razor thin uh coma for everybody else to detect, and the robots and the droids are pre-programmed to that this is her level of that that one level is where life actually is and programmed where just above that is where life is supposed to end but really she's alive and the droids are going to count her as dead um that's when palpatine would strike and actually kill her so yes she did plan on killing herself and yes or, or faking her own death and yes palpatine did kill her See, it all matches up and it all fits. Does that make a lot of sense? I hope it does. We're going to go into the next phase of this, Corvin's Revenge, in just a few minutes. Thanks, everybody. Like, uh, like, like and subscribe. Pass around, share it with all your friends. Thanks very much, everyone. Did Padme Amidala Fake Her Own Death? Part 4. So here we are in more depth and detail. So let's really run through this timeline properly. Padme was planning on dying in the hospital in childbirth, quote-unquote dying. And how you fake that is, let's just say that, and keep the math simple, that her vitals need to be at 10, okay, 10 units in order to be barely alive. Well, they're reprogramming her records and downloading the virus into the medical droid at the time that the droid is pulling her record, her galactic records, to where if she's at a 12, it's really... The droid reads it as a nine, okay, at that razor-thin level that she is barely alive, but the droid perceives it under his programming as dead. That's how the droid could say, I don't know, she's dead. I, I don't understand how it happened, but she is. I am confused. Not great, but it's there. But here's what's very important about this. Palpatine has always known has always known. He's always kept his eye on the ball on the Jedi and the people around the Jedi, and has determined that Padme is communicating with Corvus and sees the plan. And Palpatine says that's a win 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 for me. If Padme's out of the way, there are still force sensitive children out there that I can snatch up, and um, there's an angry apprentice. Angry Jedi, who's very, very easily swayed to the dark side of the Force now. I own him. I, he belongs to me. It makes all the sense in the world. So what happens is Palpatine was planning a Force transfer of life from the Metachlorians. And we're going to go deep into Metachlorians later this week, right? I know that's massively controversial for a lot of Star Wars fans, but I believe Metachlorians are extremely important In Star Wars, and when you hear my explanation, you'll understand why, but I don't mean to digress. Palpatine then, it was planning to life transfer those, those metachlorians out of her and actually kill her. Okay, actually kill her. So, while this whole drama is being set up ahead of time, Mustafar happens. Anakin uh, almost kills her. Forces uh, does a uh, the labor goes into 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 a forced labor. They have to rush rush her out, and now Palpatine is scrambling to what do I do now? And it turns out that oh, I have an I have an opportunity to not only kill her, but I can save my apprentice by force transferring now her life essence into Anakin and reinforce him to keep him alive while well, I'm kind of putting him together. Okay, reassembling him and putting him together in the most haphazardly way I possibly can. But it's there. He's fixed. There's, it's, he's, he's, he's assembled. He's alive. So, the connection they had and the love they have for each other makes it extremely easy for Palpatine to transfer from one to the other. So, uh, yes, Padme did intend to fake her own death, but Palpatine actually killed her. It works both ways. Okay? And when this happens... I also believe another set of chain of events take place that radically changes the galaxy forever and that is the revenge of Corvin um, the revenge of Corvin we're gonna go into that in just a few minutes likes uh, like subscribe share call in let's talk about this wild theory of Padme Amidala fake uh, you know attempting to fake her own death and actually dying in the process thanks everybody <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. This is your three cocktail questions segment. We're now going to go back into uh, what Corvin did once he uh, once he discovered that Padme actually died on the 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 birthing table in the in the uh, in the asteroid. So Corvin's the only one after hearing uh, what has happened, and all the preparations that he's done, that Padme actually died on the table and nobody knows why. Well, clearly he's now assuming, as rightfully so, that she was assassinated on the table. Doesn't know if the Emperor did it, right? But simply knows that she was not supposed to die at all. Could have been that Jedi, could have been any number of people, right? So he's going to start launch and start his own investigation, but has also seen that uh, Bail Organa has taken one of the kids, Leia, and a Jedi has, is taking the other one away. Doesn't know where, but is taking the other one away. So I believe then, under this scenario, Corvin would have gone to Bail Organa and revealed the plan. This is what uh, Padme Amidala was intending to do. And so Bail, being a, a shrewd and cautious um, Alderaan politician, decides that an extra layer of protection is going to be required for the children. And Unbeknownst to Obi-Wan Kenobi, he sends one of the handmaidens to back him up in his play. Now, Kevin, he says, how is this even possible? Well, keeping in the theme of the Karazawa films and and Japanese uh, lore that Lucas tended to pull from, there's a a Japanese story called the 47 Samurai, where uh, their master has passed away and uh, through um, very shady circumstances. And so the Samurai are going to kill themselves, but instead are allowed to disband, but never, ever pick up a sword in in revenge or retaliation ever again they become ronin and they take all kinds of crazy odd jobs but they swear revenge amongst themselves that one day they're all going to unite any survivors will unite and take revenge for their master well the handmaidens do a similar thing corbin reveals to the handmaidens what the plan was going to be and they and they die and the handmaidens all kind of get together because they love Padmaid. They loved her, and they would have to. You do not change your body, change your lifestyle to become invisible and take on the utter identity of somebody else if you do not have some, some level of, of affection for this person. So they all then swear an oath that, okay, Coven, you you find out who did this. You bail Organa, you find out who did this, and you call us. And when you do, we're gonna go after. The person or organization that did this, and we're going to get revenge, revenge for our mistress, our senator, our queen. Well, this leads me, leads us to where they could have all gone. Simply stated that one, of uh, you know, Leia had had it easiest, right? And other people have speculated on, on say, databank brawl with Joseph Scrimshaw and uh, Ken Knapsack that maybe, you know, Padme had a handmaiden. One of the handmaidens was kind of like in the household, right? And that's how Leah could go back and kind of remember stories about her mom, right? Because one of the handmaidens was, I was there. I, I was, I'm telling you about your mom, right? How wonderful and sweet and kind she was. Yeah, and I kind of looked like her, right? Uh, and kind of altered with her. So it wouldn't be a shock to, to, to uh, Leia to ever know that this kind of a process would ever happen, right? Her mom did it. Her mom had bodyguards and handmaidens like this. But for Luke, here's the easy one. This, is, this gets a little tricky, but it's, it's good. Luke's going to Tatooine with a Jedi. And not just any Jedi. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not exactly at the time, you know, the best reputationable Jedi. Okay? You know, he's got some social issues, right? likes to mess around a little bit out there. And This is what Bale would see from his perspective. Maybe Obi-Wan needs something. And look, there's not a lot of places to hang out on Tatooine. There's only a few actual spots where you can actually hide. And he's planning on taking this boy to a to a moisture farmer in the middle of nowhere? That's a little crazy. But okay, you're a Jedi. So what he does is he sends one of the handmaidens out there. Now, if you look in Episode 4, as we begin to meet Han Solo, there's a lady around Han Solo's uh, arm, they're kind of kind of embracing, and her her name in the series is Jenny, just Jenny, okay. Well, I speculate Jenny happens to be a handmaiden watching Obi Wan, who's watching the girl, but who's watching Luke. Talk soon. The forty seven handmaids, part two. All right, so before I get cut, I got cut off. I was saying that uh, there's a young lady who's on Han Solo's uh, on who's hanging off on with Han Solo, and we very first meet him in in the Mos. Uh, La- Moss Eisley Canteen. He's kind of sitting in the booth. There's this lady draped around him, and her name officially is Jenny. Jenny, I believe, in this scenario that I have drawn out, is a handmaiden and actually is a triple agent. So here's why this is important, and it makes a whole lot of sense. So Obi-Wan's by himself in the desert. What's Obi-Wan really going to do? Until we see the actual Obi-Wan movie, we don't know what canon looks like. He's not going to do any crazy... Uh, Jedi stuff that gives the, the whole game away. So how does Obi Wan actually make a living, right? Jenny is a, a conduit to money for Obi Wan from Bail Organa, right? Enough to live on. He's, she's she's his paycheck. Okay, she's dropping off cash to him in credits, so there's no there's no uh, official paper tra- paper trail. Jenny has also infiltrated and wor- is working with the Hutts. Okay, so she can keep her ear to the ground about the underworld, and then passing, of course, stuff off to Bail Organa about what's going on in the underworld, right? But ultimately, she is loyal to her handmaidens and that that sacred pact. That at one time, at one point, okay, they're gonna, the uh, Corvin and, and Bail are going to reveal who is ultimately responsible for Padme's death, and the girls are going to unite, and ride as as. Uh, as Ronin Samurai to take out, in this case, what would have been Emperor Palpatine once and for all. Now, throughout the course of Star Wars you could easily see where uh, Vader or Palpatine could get wind of this and start to easily begin to eliminate um, the uh, Handmaidens, which is why we never see uh, Jenny ever again from 4 to 5. Vader could have discovered her and eliminated the threat. But it does make a lot of sense how Obi-Wan could have made a living in the desert by himself. Cause what is he doing? We don't know. We haven't seen the movie yet, if it ever will exist, but Bale's got to figure out to got to let him know some way or another that, uh, it's time, right? Cause we haven't seen rogue one. Um, Bale also needs what's going on in the underworld out in the outer rim. Okay. And there's a highly trained, uh, bodyguard now slash assassin, Add his back and call to do the dirty work that needs to get done in the galaxy. It all makes sense that way. All right? So, that's how I think uh, it all went down with Padme. We'll be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, shortly, later on this week. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Uh, tell me what you think, guys. This is a wild and crazy theory that, I, that I've had for a while. Uh, let me know what you think. I appreciate you and everybody uh, everybody out there. New subscribers, I love you to death. Uh, the more we have, the the better podcast I can produce and get to a full blown, uh, real podcast. So we can do do this all at once. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. You guys have fun. Bye bye.